Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze all of your favorite pop stars and then rank them in the official Pop Pantheon. This is your host, DJ Louis the Fourteenth. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to be back with you guys. We have so much exciting new stuff planned for you this year. I hope everybody had a restful holiday, a nice holiday, and we're ready to get back down into business. Before I get into everything, just a reminder to please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. You can follow us on social media at Pod. I'm at DJLOUIEXIV on Twitter and Instagram. We, of course, have merch like our iconic Niche Legend Dad hat available at poppantheonpod.com. And... In the new year for our Patreon channel, Pop Pantheon All Access, we are now promising at least four bonus episodes of this show per month. You heard that right. That's four bonus episodes of the show per month. And you can subscribe at patreon.com slash poppantheon or by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. Two gorgeous gorgeous is coming up to kick off the new year. First, we are launching at a new venue in Los Angeles on January 13th. The party will now be at Los Globos in Silver Lake. That's at 3040 Sunset Boulevard. We're so excited about our new space and we can't wait to see you there. So that's January 13th at Los Globos in Los Angeles and on February 3rd at the Sultan Room in Bushwick, we will be back in Brooklyn for gorgeous gorgeous New York. So both cities getting their gorgeous gorgeouses coming up. Tickets are available in the show notes of this episode. They are also available in our bios on social media. So I hope to see you guys at one or both or whatever of gorgeous gorgeous coming up. So last year we solicited some feedback from you guys. We wanted to know if there were any Pantheon rankings that people were upset with us about that we feel like we got wrong. We hear a lot from our listeners all year feeling some type of way about where their faves ended up in the pop pantheon. And I also just like to take a second to look back before we move forward at the rankings from the whole year, how it all shook out, compare the rankings to each other, see if there's anything that I got wrong, if there's anything that needs to be adjusted. This has become a bit of a yearly tradition. We, of course, heard some feedback from you guys, which is included in this episode. So this episode is essentially Russ and I going through all the Pop Pantheon rankings of 2023 and deciding whether we got it right or if we needed to make a few adjustments. We did end up making a couple little adjustments in there, some based on our own feelings, some based on stuff you guys said to us. So it was a really interesting episode. We had a lot of fun taping it. And before we get into our new content for this year, we thought it was important to take a broader look at the Pantheon and how things shook out last year. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Russ about all of 2023's Pop Pantheon rankings. Good morning, Louie. Happy Hanukkah. Thanks, Russ. I actually did not realize it was Hanukkah until late last night. So I'm glad that you remembered. Happy Hanukkah to you, too. I hope your menorah shines bright like a diamond. Thank you kindly. So you and I are sitting down today to do a reflection on all of the tier rankings that you and our esteemed guests have made in 2023. And spoiler alert, you have been waiting for this with bated breath. You are ready. Yes, I have been waiting for this. And how much do I get into like the behind the scenes of like 
my psychological problems. Go there. Let's go there. That's what we're here for. I just feel like every person that agrees to do Pop Pantheon is a diva, an icon, a legend. They put so much time and effort into doing it. It's not an easy ask when we have people on this show. We're going to some of the leading voices in the field and asking them to give us a lot of their time, not just to record, but to prepare. And so sometimes I feel, especially this year, and especially because I'm trying to like manage my time better, etc. that like sometimes I feel like I can't let them down during the Pantheon discussion. Like I feel like I get acquiescent to like the guest passion because I'm like, oh, like they've come on here and they're usually so passionate about this person when we have episodes where we're dealing with somebody that's like coming on from more of like a fan perspective. And sometimes I look back and I'm like, I should have fought harder for what I know to be true and engaged in a little bit more of a fight. So one of my New Year's resolutions for Pop Pantheon is to like fight through my people pleasery tendencies with the guests and like call out the things that I see when I see them. Look, I think I largely got most of this right at the end of the day, but there was definitely a few things I looked back on and I was kind of like, either for that reason or just for the reasons where I get sucked in and kind of delusional because I've been in like a deep research process and become very appreciative usually of the artist where with some retrospect and some distance, I feel like maybe I was overzealous in their placement in the Pantheon or maybe even under. And it comes at the end of a two hour conversation and sometimes a two hour plus conversation, which while that is excellent in that you have all of the the facts and the figures at hand, you have also spent a lot of time trying to emotionally relate to an artist and giving them empathy as you look back on their story. And uh, yeah, the Pantheon itself is cold and harsh. And I think that we're going to make some changes today, which is exciting. We're going to bang the gavel down on a few steps up or down in the Pantheon. And I think sometimes in the past, like it's because of like material changes or like things that like we Mm -hmm. didn't know at the time of the episode or that have played out more and we have a better sense of things. Exactly. And here is the thing. We hear complaints all of the time on our Discord channel, in the comments, sometimes emails. DMs. And don't forget the DMs. When we... Absolutely. The DMs are a huge place that it goes down in terms of Mm -hmm. people letting us know that we got things wrong. Mm -hmm. However, when we actually ask y'all to send in your questions, comments, concerns, and make your cases, some of you get a little bit more reticent to share those opinions. And so I will say for the folks that have bravely sent in voice notes and emails, making their cases, thank you so much. I am so pumped to get into it and we have some really smart folks making cases for sure Uh, we've been persuaded in the past in this episode this is our like yearly tradition and we have had our minds opened look everyone's very fierce behind their computer but like let's get into it girls next time you know say what say what you feel put your ten toes down and like tell me why i'm wrong okay tell me to my face now how this is gonna go is we're gonna start at the top of the year and more or less run chronologically through the year 
in a few cases, some listeners have weaved in their arguments, bouncing back and forth between some tier rankings, Mm -hmm. sort of using the girls against each other Mm -hmm. in some ways that are pretty clever. Mm -hmm. So this does necessitate some bouncing around, but I want to start at the top of the year. Okay. Madonna, January of last year, tier one, we have received no complaints. I really don't think there's much you could complain about there. I think that was an accurate choice. I'm not going to amend that one. If anything, Madonna exceeds tier one. Like, do we need a new tier for her? Blast her on up. All right, next we have the weekend tier two. Any thoughts? No, I think that was right. I think that that was perhaps a like two to three debate, maybe. But I think looking at the way that we've ranked people in the past, who else is there? This is an artist who's been around, relevant, making hit music for 10 plus years. I have a feeling that we will look back on the weekend's sound voice as incredibly emblematic of this time. And he has proven himself to be someone who can evolve his sound. He had, there's a lot of depth and layers. A lot of critical acclaim. That makes sense to me. I would put him there for sure. Tier five actor, tier two musician. (laughs) Tier five producer, actor, show conceiver, (laughs) maybe person, but I don't want to. Yeah. Next year, stick to music. Able. Yes. We did a tier one placement for Frank Sinatra. People absolutely loved Karina Longworth. Mm -hmm. We heard a lot about that. Thank you, Karina, for coming on the show. Yes. Uh, I don't think that people really disputed the ranking of Frank. No, that's right. A godfather in the space. A grandfather in the space. That's grandpa, should we say? That's grandpa. We had four crossover rappers from the 2000s. Ja Rule, Nelly, Ludacris, and 50 Cent. Put three of those guys in tier three and then... Ja Rule on his own in tier four. What do you think about this? This is one I have some question marks around. What are your question marks? I just feel like maybe this is an area where like the pop pantheon and the rap pantheon like don't Mm. intersect entirely because I just sort of feel like all of the guys that we put in tier three from this episode, like what was their true lasting impact and sort of like crossover moment into the pop music space? And it was like, so short like even 50 who was so big it was so short like if kesha's going in tier four shouldn't 50 cent also go in tier four and like that might be a different argument if you're a rap fan and like i think he's had more legs in that world but like in terms of like the pop pantheon i don't know that's one i've that's kind of bugged me after the episode what do you think i would probably put nelly and ludicrous in tier four with Ja Rule. Yeah. I think that the Ja Rule, it, it was a nice and cold placement. Yes. And I think 50 Cent has some more longevity in the pop space in terms of how his songs have lived on. And he was bigger in the moment. He, he was like, his moment was really big, right? And then there's also sort of like the je ne sais quoi of 50 Cent existing as a celebrity. Like 50 right. Cent is definitely the biggest celebrity out of these guys. But don't we try to kind of divorce here? We do, yes. But that is something that in the terms of the gut feeling, that my gut feeling is that 50 Cent has been able to stay around in popular culture for a very very long time, though, perhaps not primarily as a musician, you know, he's got power, he's doing producing all of that kind of stuff, which doesn't count for our stuff here. So has Jessica Simpson. (laughs) Right, though? (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah. I don't have super strong feelings either way, but these all feel a little more tier four than tier three to me. Me too. Should we put them? All, the question is, do I put, I think we're definitely putting Ludacris and Nelly. I'm demoting them to tier four. I, I just think that that was wrongheaded. 50, I'm like willing to accept as a tier three artist, even though I think it's really cuspy. I think it's cuspy too. What is your reasoning? for Nelly and Ludacris being in tier four if we're going to make our first movement of the year. It was just a really short-lived moment. There were a lot of hits. A lot of them were features. I don't know. I just think like if we were applying the same rules to like, I think this moment of crossover rap, it's like one of those things where it's like when it so defines your specific childhood, like it seems like such a big deal. But like, I just feel like it was a really short-lived moment. Like, I, again, I want to bring up Kesha, like one big album, sort of big second album, like stuck around in culture, but like hasn't really been like central to the conversation in terms of pop music, music, maybe not pop stardom, but music for a long time. And if like, if she's in tier four, then I feel like so are Nelly and Ludacris, right? Yep. I think. I mean, Kesha also a rapper. <laughs> so I thought you were going to say Kesha heavily debated. Kesha has been heavily debated. She has. She was one of our first emotions. But that was a right yes. demotion. That was the right demotion. Do, but you agree mm -hmm. with me, right? Like, it just feels like huge for like three years kind of vibe. Yep. Outside. And again, I think this is another moment where we have to kind of like think about like the rap pantheon as like separate from the pop pantheon. Because I'm sure that there's other ways to think about them in the context of like rappers. 50, it just was, he was the biggest of the bunch, at least to, in my experience. Like there was a Me moment too. where 50 Absolutely. Cent was the biggest pop star on the planet, like a yes. very short moment. And he like saved music with like an 800,000 unit debut week when like the beginning of the sort of download transition out of Napster into like legal downloads, all of that kind of stuff. I, I, I think I think we'll, we can keep 50 and three. Just Let's just go with that. And the other two can go in four. Ba right, gavel gavel, gavel banged. Boom. Our first niche legend of 2023 was Miss Casey Musgraves. We have had a lot of listeners taking shots at the niche legend category mm. in the comments. Mm -hmm. We only had one brave enough to call in. Yes. So let's listen to Martin call us cowards Martin. to our faces. <laughs> Hello, Louis and Russ. It's Martin here. So the thing that I think you got wrong is the concept of niche legend as a tier. It doesn't need to be a tier. It's a cop out. It's an easy way out. We have tier one to five for a reason. And... Artists should be happy to be in Tier 5. We need to end the stigma of Tier 5. Tier 5 needs to be more full. So Casey Musgraves should be in Tier 5 and Casey should be happy to be in Tier 5. That's an achievement. That's something to be proud of. We don't need to just give them a little sop of, oh, here's Niche Legend. We could put brackets Niche Legend. So you've done that with Lana. That's fantastic. Tier 3... Brackets, niche legend. I endorse that. So, Casey Musgraves, tier five. Also, stick Kim Petras in at tier five as well. And I think that's right and that's correct. But fantastic year for the podcast. Thank you so much for all the entertainment you have provided. And yeah, look forward to more next year. Bye-bye. I wish that the listeners could have seen Louis react to that call. <laughs> it was incredible there was some explosive facial expressions as martin just like skullcap dragged us wow i mean 
The Niche Legend tier did come into creation after we started the show, thanks to Gia Tolentino, right? I mean, wasn't that like a... I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think when we did the Robin episode, Gia was like, you need a, an adjacent tier that... I want. I don't want to like outright be like, no, <laughs> but like... <laughs> Here's the challenge that I will put forth to you. Okay. If we did not have a niche legend tier, where specifically would Casey Musgraves rank? It's just really hard to say. And I think that's why we have the niche legend tier. Like, I think that that's part of the problem. But the, the thing that's making me have questions is because pop stardom is just like moving further and further into like niche legendum, generally speaking. So I wonder if it like does need to absorb that tier. You know what I mean? And like, we need to sort of expand the metrics of the other tiers to accommodate the way that pop stardom is functioning differently than it did in the past. We had some comments from listeners who are hoping that you could also address the fact that the niche legend tier has artists who have very different careers and very different levels of success metric, mm. particularly, you know, putting someone like Robin maybe up against someone like Kim Petras. Mm. Those are two very different careers. Well, I think that some of the fandom operates in the same way that we call niche legend. They have very different success metrics. Sort of, but I also think Kim Petras very much exists in the world of pop stardom that Robin created. Going back in time, if we think about Robin as kind of like the OG niche legend, which is debatable. I think there's other people you could say that fit that category too. Like Khalees is somebody that I also think about in this way. Like this is a space where you are a pop music maker with a certain degree of sort of critical establishment acclaim and a sizable but not mass cult audience that will give you and your career legs without needing to conversate directly with centrist pop music and charts. So in that way, I think they are very similar. Now, both have had moments where they've attempted to cross over into like mainstream regular pop stardom and both have largely not succeeded in that space for the most part. So to me, they share a lot in common and Kim's existing in the world of pop stardom or niche pop stardom or indie pop stardom that Robin helped carve out in like sort of earlier internet eras, I guess. So I see them definitely as connected. But I want to return to the question of like the viability of the category. What do you think about all of this? I think that maybe it is about artists being both. About right. an artist being both a tier five artist and a niche legend or a tier three artist and a niche legend. Right. It's more of like a, an addendum than it is its own category. I think for some, it's more of an addendum. And I think that for some, they are the indistinguishable niche legends, you know? Like, who is an example of that? Charlie XCX. Right, but isn't that what we've essentially done? I mean, a lot of times with the niche legends, we kind of have them straddling tears. Right? Tears, yeah. I think that there's something for those listeners who are particularly invested in the stratification of the pantheon of the rankings being an important part of the episode to them. There's something a little bit less satisfying about someone being deemed a niche legend than having to face the cold hard facts of them being tier four or five. Do you want to go through the niche legends that we've put there in general and like discuss if we'd be comfortable like moving them around? Sure. Because so, so, so you're 
your point is that we do need the category, but we just have to be very judicious about the category, basically? Yes. I don't agree with Martin that the category is unuseful, but I take Martin's point that when we are putting people into the niche legend category, saying how and why they fit into the rest of the pantheon feels important. If they do. If they do. I found a comment. uh, So at as we have been gesturing at in June during Pride, we made Kim Petrus a niche legend, and we got a comment from a patron, the wonderfully named Mr. Unicorn, who has a sentiment that I think has been shared by other listeners as well. There should be a distinction between actual niche legends like Robin and Lana and artists like Kim Petrus. I enjoy a lot of Kim's songs, and I do have a lot of respect for her journey, but clearly those three are not on the same level when it comes to shaping pop music. Maybe part of the issue is, like, what are they attempting? Like, Robin at some point, like, abandoned mainstream pop aspirations. And I think that that's why she's maybe, like, the definitive niche legend. And I think Lana sort of similarly. Like, Lana is more successful than Robin is. Like, it has a bigger audience, I think. Because, Mm -hmm. mainly, I think, because of the way that, like, the internet fandom has calcified in the wake of Robin. Like, Lana's just a generation later, in a sense, in terms of just, like, being able to exist online in the world that Robin been created. So I think that like maybe as part of it is taking in their intentions and maybe the fact that Kim made such an overt attempt to be a mainstream pop star kind of like moves her out of niche legend. But then you've got to kind of say the same thing for Charlie. So mm-hmm. and I think Carly Rae Jepsen also at a certain point kind of abandoned the pursuit of mainstream pop stardom. We've tackled pretty much everybody in the niche legend category, which now includes Kim Petras, Lana Del Rey, Casey Musgraves, Robin, the Scissor Sisters, Carly Rae Jepsen, and Charlie XCX. I think that all all of these have quite a je ne sais quoi that is the niche legend thing. Agree. But I also think that several of them could slot into other tiers pretty like, easily. Like, I'd be happy to put Kim Petras in tier five or like have her be both. That makes sense to me at this point. Like, she is a mainstream aspiring flop. Yes. I think the reason we created it in the first place was because Gia made a really clear point, which is like, it doesn't feel right to put Robin in the same category as like Normani. Like, it just, yes. it doesn't make any sense. That's why we created the category and that's why I still think it feels vital in some way and to sort of call it tier six you know when you're thinking about the way numbers are it just doesn't feel right to put them below tier five i get martin's point like it does kind of like take away some of the elegance of the pantheon but like i think gia's point still stands like it doesn't make sense to put robin with normani but if we were putting robin in the pop pantheon without a niche legend tier then i think she would be in tier five yes gia is one of the greatest thinkers about pop. And I think that it was an incredibly elegant way of approaching Robin. I think that it is less necessary for some other artists. I think Kim Petras is probably tier five. I think that Casey Musgraves is probably tier four. That was what I was going to say. If I had to move Casey out of niche legend, I would put her in tier four. I think solely because of that album of the year win at the Grammys in some ways. Like, otherwise, I don't know. That was a big Maybe mainstream five. accolade, you know, that like... Mm-hmm. But like, you're talking about an artist with like no top 10 hits outside of that new feature she just had and like not a big record seller. Like someone that's known by... Mo- outside of the Grammy win and like the attention that Golden Hour got like is an in-the-know gay slash music intelligentsia figure. Wow, we've gotten very existential very quickly. Well, this is an existential question about our podcast. Yes. 
I, I'm actually happy hearing that we've put so few people there. At least we can say yes. that. At least we can say we're not overly using the category. Who do you of the list are the square niche legends to you? Robin, Charlie, XCX, Carly Rae Jepsen. And the other two are Lana and Kim and Casey. And the Scissor Sisters. Oh, and the Scissor Sisters. The Scissor Sisters are more in the other area that we constantly run into trouble with, which is like the international versus America thing. Our cross to bear until this podcast like reaches its end date. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to that. Uh, yeah. People have thoughts about that this year as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can't wait for that. But I think that I think that's some good rigor applied to Casey Musgrave saying that we think that she is tier four. But like with the asterisk. With the asterisk of being a niche legend. Fine. I'm down for that. Okay. I'm willing to bang the gavel on that. I'm willing to bang the gavel on Kim being tier five. But as with asterisk or not? A no asterisk. Yes. I think that Kim needs a niche legend asterisk to signal what she has created, not only as a pop star that the music intelligentsia critics, pop fans have paid particular attention to, but also the fact that Kim has worked as a trans trailblazer trying to break a glass ceiling. And also I think you ask a gay man age 28 what they think about Kim Petras' career and they'll talk to you about five years of great music and all this stuff and you ask a regular person and they'll talk about Unholy and her flop single with Nicki Minaj so like there's two ways that she that you think people would know alone <laughs> no. <laughs> no so I just want there to be a way to acknowledge her achievements in the space yes, that she's had achieved. I agree I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So fine. We can asterisk or straddle whatever the answer is. Those those couple. All right. Casey four. Kim five. Sure. Gavel. This is fun. Gavel. Yeah. Gavel. <laughs> in March, Kathy came on, and we put Lana Del Rey into tier three with the asterisk of niche legend. I actually got some write-ins from past guests over on our Instagram. If you don't follow us, some great stuff happening in the comments. <laughs> our blog house pal, Lena, writes, I don't disagree, but as of yesterday, Lana was number 33, most listened to in the world on Spotify. Beyonce is number 44, which still blows my mind. Lana really doing mainstream numbers mm. while niche as hell. Mm -hmm. The date in question here is and date in October. Our yeah. dearly beloved Shad D'Souza adds, <laughs> also, surely her sheer influence, Billy, Olivia, etc., saying she changed their life, bumps her up. Could Lana Del Rey be tier two? This is also a great point of conflict in my romantic relationship. <laughs> um, no. I, I mean, I, I, I like... <laughs> Let's ask the question about Bjork. Would we apply the same thing to Bjork? A lot of Madonna, a lot of mainstream pop artists would say that Bjork had a massive influence on them. But like, would yeah, that... but Bjork is not doing what Lana's doing in terms of number of listeners. But she might have if Spotify existed in 1997. Yes, but that's impossible for us to walk down the path. And it also gets back into the niche legend conversation, which is that like there's an ecosystem that exists now for pop music that didn't exist in Bjork's heyday. Question, let's put ourselves in the shoes of somebody that is not someone that listens to this podcast. Someone that like mm -hmm. doesn't really care about pop music that much. It, it, like listens to it, is aware of it, listens to the radio, knows the big shit. What is Lana Del Rey to that listener? Almost nothing. Yeah, maybe they know Summertime Sadness remix. They probably have a vague sense of who she is, but she's not like a part of their world. Does she stand along with Rihanna, Drake, Celine Dion, Nicki Minaj? No, sorry, no. I think her being in tier three is my generous concession to her massive influence. Oh, 
<laughs> Interesting. Here's what I will say. I'm not a fan of Lana Del Rey. I engage with her music here and there. I loved watching her rise. It's been such a fascinating journey to watch her go from being the biggest joke of music press to being widely accepted as a great American songwriter. Yes. And the way that she continues to build her legacy, her respect, her importance in American musical culture, I think that this is something that we will return to. And I think that Lana Del Rey of those in tier three is one of the most likely to ascend to tier two. Agree. Also, one question that this is raising for me, like on a more macro scale, is like, we're going to have to keep our eyes on the way that pop music and stardom is sort of acknowledged as this sort of like nichification or whatever you want to call it, like continues to expand because it feels like that's just going to keep happening. And at some point, maybe it will be a time where we have to go like this pantheon is created on a structure that is like less viable, I guess. I don't know. But I still think that's where Lana belongs. Like, I think that like we exist in we being me and you and everybody that listens to this podcast and gay people exist in a bubble where she is incredibly famous. But I yes. don't and think that that Lena extends. and Chad are in that bubble. For sure. <laughs> and, and we love and them And they are it. correct. I mean, if, if the pop pantheon was about the most influential pop stars, she'd be in tier one, I think. Like, not just because like her aesthetic essentially like set the terms for pop music for like the next 10 to 12 years, but also because of the way she basically grabbed the baton, maybe the most important person that grabbed the baton from a Robin and like created a lane of pop stardom that makes absolutely zero concessions towards the radio and like mm -hmm. operates entirely on its own terms and like has proven that to be a successful, a very successful route. And she's had the most success at that route, maybe of almost anybody in the space. So like she has opened the door for pop stars big and small to like follow that lead. And that has been maybe the single most radical shift in like the way that pop music and stardom is created and conceived in the modern era. So like if this was about influence, she's the most, one of the most of the century. But it's not just about that. Like it's also about like your saturation as a pop figure. Cultural figure. Yeah. 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 And like, there's a lot of people that have had massive influence. Like I think MIA, who is an artist I'd love to do an episode on, is someone who's like sounds, a aesthetics massively influenced people like Beyonce and Rihanna and all these people but like she's still like a probably like a niche legend ultimately at the end of the day right I mean I don't know all right we are keeping Lana in tier three mm -hmm. next we did our series on girl groups let's start with the 60s gals in tier three the Ronettes and then in tier four the Shirelles the Marvelettes and the Shangri-Las this is my biggest one. Dr. Warwick was such a fabulous guest. If you missed that episode, and I know a bunch of you did, we, <laughs> we got the stats. You should go listen to that episode. Like, that was really something. She is not only, like, a wealth of knowledge, but, like, so fun and delightful to listen to. And, like, I just learned so much from her. And it's a real snappy little episode, too. I really recommend it. But, God, she was just so in her lane. This is her life's yes. work. This is her passion. Yes. And I conceded too heavily to her on all of these artists. I think they're all a tear down from where we put them, basically. Now, to pull back the curtain a little bit, I found Dr. Warren 
Zurich because of her work on girl groups as an academic, which had been done over years and years. And this illustrates the problem, I think, of somebody who is so informed, so intelligent, so passionate. When you're talking to someone brilliant and charming like that, it can be very difficult to be like, none of the stuff that you're saying really matters in comparison to our like silly little system here. But it's tough. Yes. Yes. Go listen to that episode. It's incredible. And I think that we got to make some shifts here. Yes, I agree. And like, it's again, it comes back to that influence question. Like, of course, these girl groups and mass really affected a lot of pop aesthetics and sort of presentational ideas and thematic conceits and pop music and all of that kind of thing. But like, that's not the point. <laughs> that isn't the point. Like, it's it's a factor, but it's not the point. Anyway, the amount of people that even recognize the names of those other three girl groups outside of the Runettes is like exceedingly low. They have very few hits. They're all in tier five. The Runettes, I will put in tier four just because Ronnie Spector feels like an absolutely like seminal rock figure and pop figure and like a template setter for like so many female pop stars that came after her and so widely acknowledged as such that I'm willing to put them in tier four, but like kind of just barely to be honest with you. I think the rest of them are squarely in tier five. And this was something I realized like pretty much immediately after taping the episode and I've been waiting for eight months to say out loud, but like Gabble banged all four times on those groups to me. It's also a matter of time, right? We are constructing this particular pantheon here in the year 2023, which would look very different if we were doing it in 83. And we were closer in time to all of these girl groups. And, you know, some of the folks that we have in two and three over time are going to dip down. That is just the nature of the beast. And sometimes you have Frank Sinatra who just like transcends all of it. So it really depends. I mean, time is one of the most helpful components of the Pantheon to me. Absolutely. Our next two girl groups in that series were TLC and Fifth Harmony. We got a wonderful call from Garrett that uses Jessica Simpson as a wedge between Fifth Harmony and Tier 4. Thank you, Garrett, for calling in. Hi, Louie and Russ. Uh, My comment is on the, I believe, inspired decision to put Jessica Simpson in Tier 5, but I believe that that would also require, because at first I was like, oh, she's so Tier 4, and I actually agreed with Louie's reasoning, but I think that puts some other key people into Tier 5, in my opinion, such as Fifth Harmony, who, I mean, really their legacy is two songs, I would say, and even uh, Charlie Puth, who um, maybe Charlie Puth could be four just because I feel like the Charlie Puth thing is still happening and, like, he will probably have a top 20 single every other year for the rest of my life. But, like, Jessica Simpson, at least, was able to create, like, somewhat successful music from, like, 1999 to 2006. I, I'm, you know, none of it has really stood the test of time. So I get it. But the Fifth Harmony thing, I mean, they have two songs. And then my other thoughts, which are kind of unrelated, is um, I do think Gwen maybe deserves Tier 2 status because she can really do the No Doubt stuff by herself. Like, when she tours, she can do both No Doubt and solo stuff versus, like, I don't know, a Kelly Rowland type who I don't think like gets elevated, um, probably gets elevated a little bit. And then I would also say TLC, they they're, they don't have that many songs, but No Scrubs and Waterfalls are like as big as Happy Birthday. So I think maybe they 
almost get inched up to tier two just because of like how well those songs have like stood the test of time. I mean, those songs are almost 30 years old and they're like extremely like my little brother knows all the words to those songs. This is a lot. So if you guys want to cut into like different calls, all good. But um, thank you guys. It's a great podcast. Happy 2024. So first of all, Garrett legend, love Garrett. Garrett and I talk on social media all the time and he has a lot of good opinions. Honestly, concur with a lot of this. I, 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 I will return to Gwen. I think when we get there, that's an interesting comment. Don't agree about TLC. I mean, I think that like a lot of artists have a couple of songs that are that stand the test of time and that doesn't necessarily elevate them in the pantheon necessarily. I think TLC is where they belong. Fifth Harmony, agree though. I think Fifth Harmony was another one. Brennan, it was like similar situation. That girl group series was a minefield. Brennan was definitely similar to Dr. Warwick. Brilliant guy, incredible conversation. Helped me understand Fifth Harmony in a way that I didn't before and appreciate them. But like, that was another one that like when I wrapped it, I was like 5H pilled there for a week. Like they are in tier five, I'm sorry like iconic flops like truly iconic flops like and also songs that are so linked to their moment like will worth it and work from home like be things that we remember in 2043 or whatever like i wonder <laughs> like i'm fully down to put fifth harmony in tier five you concur oh yeah fifth harmony the shangri laws of the 2010s <laughs> consider that done anything else oh charlie charlie pooth gwen will address when we get to them but cool. i think tlc i disagree i love tlc like probably like 10 most important acts of my life in terms of like formative for me and just hit rate but like i don't think just because i mean i agree with him about no scrubs and waterfalls like they really are two of those songs that have transcended but i don't think that that makes me want to put them higher in the pantheon i think they're where they belong more or less see you could say the same thing about teenage dream and california girls and stuff like that i don't think that makes me want to put Katy perry above tier three sadly i think that tlc was one album or turn or right, you know right emancipation of Mimi sort right, of a right. thing away from tier two yeah maybe when Lisa passed sure uh, I think that's but... that's worth considering but that was not what happened yeah but fifth harmony adios amigos like like say say hi to your solo member that was already down there how good is this episode? It's good, right? Well, great news, because if you like what you're hearing here, you're going to love what we're doing over on our Patreon channel, Pop Pantheon All Access, where for five bucks a month, you'll get bonus episodes of our show weekly. You heard that right? Every single week, we're dropping more of the same searing in-depth combos you love about all your most anticipated new albums by stars like Ariana Grande, Dua Lipa, and Tate McRae, just to name a few, parsing apart all the newest pop singles in our famous new music speed rounds, and of course, course, diving deep on your favorite classic albums like Madonna's Hard Candy, Christina Aguilera's Stripped, and so much more, all with your favorite pop pantheon guests. All this, plus you'll get access to our Discord channel, input on future episodes of the show, and so much more. So sign up at the icon tier now at patreon.com slash pop pantheon, or simply by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. You won't regret it. All right, the international girlies constantly eat us up in the comments about being an American-centric podcast. Many were not happy when we put Shakira in tier two. I've got a couple comments on Shakira. The first one is an email from Beatrice in Houston, Texas, who points out that at 46, Shakira still charts in the U.S. and is someone regular Americans can easily recognize by saying just her name. She also sent along a quote from Billboard, 
very recently, which named Shakira's Bizrap Music Sessions Volume 53 as the number three song of 2023, stating that it isn't just a song, it's a seismic cultural moment, challenging the prevalent double standard often opposed on Latin women in entertainment. We also had a lovely listener call in and make the case for Shakira, once again, saying that we are oh so wrong to our faces. We love it. Thank you, Soraya. Let's play the call. Hi, my name's Soraya. I'm from Canada, but I live in the United States and really enjoy your show. Um, so, uh, yes, and my favorite, favorite episode was um, thus far, I think, Prince. Um, because I'm a super, super, super Prince fan, and I felt like you did the show for me. Um, I... In terms of what you got wrong, um, I think I recall that you had Shakira for tier one in Latin America and tier two um, in the United States. And I feel like the show is called Pop Pantheon and not American Pop Pantheon. Of course, it's in the States. Um, And you've done that in the past for, I think, Celine Dion and ABBA. And I feel like if somebody's so well known worldwide that their tier should reflect that. So I'd say Shakira deserved to be a tier one. Thank you. Love the show. Perennial question every year. We're going to get it. How are we going to think about it this year as it relates to the international waters of pop music and particularly the woman who sprung and was able to walk upon that water in her music videos, Shakira. Do you like what I did there? It's a, yes, it's a Jesus metaphor. That was so clever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel persuaded. I don't feel persuaded about this. I think Shakira's way. Frankly, if anything, look, first of all, we need to destigmatize tier two. Let's talk about who else is in tier two. Lady fucking Gaga, Rian. I mean, this is not exactly like a slouch tier. So like, let's like release the stigma around this for a second. Like, I just think we need to do that. And like, there's some artists, look, we don't, we haven't ranked Britney in the Pantheon yet, but like we had some impassioned arguments on our Patreon show about on both sides of the fence for tier two and tier one, which I think is instructive in thinking about Shakira. Like Cuspy, like not, not entirely sure. Tier one is, what did Jason, Jason King actually like gave the screed on tier one backstage at that show. And he was like, if I were you, I would put like 15 people in tier one totally. Total, like total. And that is how I originally thought of this. This whole Pantheon concept came to me because of thinking about the tier one thing. Like I would think about who is in that God tier, like really God tier, like if we're the most rigorous about it, you know, if we're really not kowtowing to personal taste and to generational bias and all of that kind of stuff, like who really is in the God tier of the pop music ecosystem. And I agree with Jason. He was like, you should put 15 or 20 people in there total in all of pop history. How many people do we have in there right now? We have what? Aretha, Prince, Madonna, uh, Beyonce. Right now we have seven people in tier one. We have Prince, Aretha Franklin, Frank Sinatra, Little Richard, Madonna, Diana Ross, Beyonce, and Mariah Carey. Yes. Honestly, I think putting her in the tier one Latin America thing, and again, I don't live in Latin America, so it's very, very hard for me from where I'm sitting, and which is why I had to kind of rely on Julissa's input in this moment. I don't know what it's like to be a Shakira fan or to absorb Shakira's career living in Colombia. Like, I just, I don't know 
what that's like. I have, I can read about it. I'm aware, I can look at charts. You know, I, I'm aware of the differences and I want to be respectful of that. But I don't have firsthand experience with that. And from where I'm sitting, Shakira does not belong in the company of the other people that are in that tier from where I'm sitting. And again, we can compare numbers all day if we want to. It's ultimately that is a tool for figuring this out, but it's also just my perspective. I'm only one person and I'm flawed, but I also think that I really do try to question my biases as much as I possibly can. And I get it wrong a lot and I appreciate it when I get called out about that. But I don't believe Shakira, if we were going to put 15, let's think, let's think about it that way. If we're going to put 15 to 20 pop artists in the history of pop music in this tier, is Shakira one of the 15 to 20? Truly, I want to ask that question. What do you think? So A, let me speak to and for the international girls. This podcast is growing internationally and we love that so much. It's incredible. I'm thinking of this year when we did the mailbag episodes and we started to get yeah. just yeah. all over Europe, yeah. Latin America, Australia. Yeah. Like we love it so much. We have a limitation. We yeah. are going to be seeing this from an American perspective. Now, I live in Canada yeah. and I want to speak to you and say, I know how fucking annoying Americans are. <laughs> I know. That and I it, do too. The culture... I live in America and I yes. know how annoying Americans are. And the idea that American culture is more important than other culture is annoying and it is wrong. And it also is linked to often white supremacy and other negative systems, cultural imperialism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing. This is Louis' American podcast. And this is as any time that we are having one of these incredibly important globally dominating pop stars, we are doing everything that we can in terms of getting a guest who is able to speak to that from perspectives that Louis can't. And that is such a culturally rich experience, I think. And I hope that our episodes on those topics reflect that. I think that Shakira is basically one really culturally saturating moment away from tier one. Yeah. And she's having some pretty incredible stuff happen yes. in her career yes. right now yes. at the age that she is. For sure. But to me, it would have to be sort of like a fully realized era of cultural saturation for Shakira to break into that tier one. I think perhaps some of the reason that people feel so strongly about the Shakira thing is because Shakira broke the preconceived notions of what could work for Latin artists for sure. in the American market. We did. I feel like we spoke a lot about that on the episode. And I think it's like, again, I want to destigmatize tier two. Yes, absolutely. Here's the thing. We don't yet have a Latin artist in tier one. Interesting. And looking at the landscape of popular music in America in 2023, Latin music Culturally saturating, mm. dominating the charts, mm -hmm. important to Anglo listeners, yes. stars like Maluma, like a bad bunny. This is an incredibly pertinent, important part of popular culture. Definitely. And I don't think you get there without Shakira. Agreed. And I think that that is sort of what people are latching onto when they want to see Shakira in tier one. And it, to my eye, I think that Shakira is the biggest, most iconic representation yet in American pop of the importance of Latin pop. Of course, I couldn't agree more. I think as things change 
And as the market changes, as popular culture in America changes, there's going to be a figure like a Bad Bunny. I don't know if it's going to yes. be Bad Bunny or it's going to be someone else, but there's going to be a fucking tier one icon. For sure. I'm not quite sure that it's Shakira. I agree. One of my New Year's resolutions is to like recommit to the rigor of this system. And like, I want to look, I I agree with everything Russ said. And that was one of the episodes I walked away from this year, like feeling just so full. I learned so much. I was exposed to things I didn't know of before. I had a much deeper, and I know Russ, you had this experience too. Like I had a much deeper resounding appreciation for Shakira as someone who already was a fan than when I went Mm -hmm. into it so that was a really great experience that said i want everybody to go into this year thinking about tier one in that way like i want you to think of it as that limited like if we have 15 slots available maybe 20 who's going in there and like i think that's helpful i mean that's helpful for me and that is how i originally thought about this and i want to resituate all of us this year in that thinking like this is absolutely the MIT, Harvard, Oxford, like the level of rigor in admission here is as rigorous as we can possibly be. And that means that there's a lot of artists that feel debatable, that like might make the cut, that just like don't quite for some reason cross that threshold and it is no knock on everything else about them. It just, that is a level of import and just general cross-generational, cross-cultural, enduring iconicness. And again, maybe we return to this conversation in 20 years or 10 years and like, it feels different. But like, I don't feel inclined to change that right now for Shakira. I think there is a path to tier one for Shakira in the next 10 years. We'll see. We'll see. Yes. Someone who has been solidified in tier one, Aretha Franklin. Undisputed. We received no complaints. I mean, try me. We have discussed Kim at length already. Flop, diva, legend, tier five. Up next, we have Little Richard in tier one. Okay, what do you think about this? I... This is the only person that we've put in tier one so far that like I've ever had a question mark about. Little Richard doesn't have the metrics for tier one. Not at all. But Little Richard is the chief architect of rock and roll in America. Yes. Little Richard more or less invented what it means to be a rock star, Mm -hmm. which then influences to a great, great, great extent what it means to be a pop star. For sure. The iconoclastness, the showmanship dressing up the showmanship all of that what it means to be a fucking star yes that came from little richard agree and so i think that that is so special and unique and if you have not listened to that episode again we know you fucking haven't so yes so here's the thing how how much do I think that I want to entertain if you haven't gone and listened to that episode? Uh-huh. Not, a lot. Not a lot. Jason King, one of the foremost thinkers about popular music in America, just an incredible musical scholar who we have been very lucky to have on the show a couple of times this year, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. I don't argue with Jason King as just like a point of business. Truly. I think that Jason King is right about stuff Truly. and I feel lucky to get to listen to him. Same. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it, Jason said, and I agree. And that's that. We actually, we didn't get questions or comments or concerns about 
Little Richard being in tier one. I have a general sense that maybe some people aren't as familiar with him as an icon as nor, everyone else nor in was tier I. one. I mean, I was familiar with him as like an idea, but not so much like in the weeds. Again, kind mm-hmm. of like the Shakira episode, like a real education. I don't plan to change this. It was just definitely the one that was the least like, duh. To me, but obviously once Jason explained it and I watched the documentary and, you know, acknowledging the queer black roots of all of this feels incredibly important. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I'm good with it. I just wanted to talk it out with you for a second. Go listen to our Little Richard episode. Please. Without Little Richard, could we have had Charlie Puth in tier four? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, no. (laughs) Honestly, no. Hmm. Should Charlie Puth be in tier five? And this was part of Garrett's call. I'm not not open to it. I'm real open to it. <laughs> and, and we say I that as fans. Loved. We say that as fans. We say that as fans. You love voice notes. I love Charlie. Like we, in terms of like Charlie, Charlie Puth's Puth, career. Charlie Puth, like not as big as Kesha. No, not even close. Charlie Puth, a- equivalent to Fifth Harmony? Kind of. I, I don't think that Charlie Puth has had the impact on pop music that Paula Abdul did. No. Paula, I'm good with where she's at. Well, we'll get to that. But I'm looking at other... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at other folks yeah. in in this. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, I'm we down. will get to that. I'm down. You know what they said? There's not enough people in tier five? Well, not after this fucking episode. <laughs> Fine. Gavel struck. He's, he's, I mean, he's, he's a flop. (laughs) In terms of what puts people in tier five, why should Charlie Puth be there? Kind of like few minor hits. (laughs) Like, Like, what are Charlie Puth's hits? Attention. Let's Marvin Gaye and get it on, which like I don't think people even remember now. Light switch was huge, right? But like in a streamy, like more streamy, which is fine. Yeah, but that's like kind of, that's kind of it, right? In terms of like hits, the one with Selena, we don't talk anymore. Great song. Love that song. That's more hit hits than Fifth Harmony. Correct. To remind everyone, these are most prominently are one hit wonders or artists who had buzz but never really broke through. This is tier five. This is tier five. One hit wonders are people who had really one or maybe two hits, not much else, including no critical renaissance or cult career. No hit wonders are people who had buzz but nothing happened outside of perhaps a very small culty, often gay fan base who is constantly obsessed with how underrated they are or unfairly they are treated. Listen, there's a cult gay fan base around Charlie Puth and his imagery certainly not just gay. I mean, I went to that show and there's a lot of like middle of the road straight people. <laughs> I actually was shocked at the Charlie Puth audience how it was not gay. No, it was. It didn't feel gay at all. But given this criteria, he hasn't had more than a couple hits. Has he really broken through? I would say no. He hasn't really broken through. And he's not he really even niche, sure? right? He's not even niche legendy on the level of like Charlie. He's not a niche legend. Yeah. He's, the, he's funny he's on cuspy, social though. media. He's cuspy. He's cuspy. he is cuspy. Like, is he working class or is he everyone else? I think Garrett's point about the fact that he'll, like, continue to have, like, streaming hits for a while feels right to me. Like, his streaming numbers are, like, significantly higher than, like, Carly Rae Jepsen's, for instance. And working class pop stars, there is no more working class than, like, the journeyman of him being on everyone's album. He has 40 million monthly listeners on Spotify. That is insane. Just for, like, What you're saying is he he has less than Tate McRae? Yeah, but like, like just for contrast, Carly has sixteen. Charlie yeah. Charlie has thirteen. 
All right, what I'm hearing is tier four for Charlie Pierce. Yeah, I think I'm sticking with it. I think we're sticking with it. He's just okay. over the line, though. He's just over the I line. I wanted to shake the table a little bit yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. I get the argument, but I think he's just over the line. Miss Paula Abdul also in tier four, yes, as I have mentioned. perfect. Kind of emblematic of the tier. Okay, No Doubt and Gwen Stefani, both tier three. Garrett wonders, perhaps tier two for Gwen. No, no. <laughs> I think that's generational bias. Uh, no. I think that's pretty straightforward to me. Like, she made two albums. Only one of them is really, like, legendary. She's definitely, like, had a lot of influence, like, in the look and feel of pop. But yes. no, she's where she belongs. I, I don't I don't see that. Absolutely beloved by my five- and seven-year-old nieces. But mm. that is all X Factor, sure. the show, or The Voice, whichever one she's on. Sure. I don't watch it. Sure. Tier three, Jennifer Lopez. Am I allowed to say that this was like our most derided episode of the year? Yes, uh, but it was also very popular. One of Lots our of most popular ever, episode. but like the one I, I've never seen more complaints about an episode ever. People seem primarily mad that our wonderful guest was not mean enough yes. about Jayla. Yes. <laughs> it was the response to that has been really interesting. I've never experienced like a vicious backlash besides to that episode. But um yes, she's where she belongs too. I mean, it's interesting cuz she's like way more prolific than Gwen, but yet like as a pop star doesn't feel they both and they're both like big celebrities too, which is interesting. Although Jennifer's a bigger Absolutely. Jennifer's a bigger celebrity than Gwen, but no, I don't feel this is I feel this is correct. She's like a tier four pop star and a tier one celebrity, which like nets her out to like tier three. <laughs> Prince is in tier one. Yes. Forever and always. For sure. Doja Cat, tier three. Yeah. Interesting. We put out this episode before Doja dropped Scarlet, which I think by pretty much anyone's standards is an underperformer. But yet of an kind album. of not because like I thought so too until like seems like she's got a second hit cooking with agora hills yes i yeah. thought that too and then i'm like oh maybe not maybe not i don't know the album definitely didn't seem to land particularly well with like people that loved planet her for the most part mm -hmm. but i mean paint the town red huge biggest hit of her career mm -hmm. and agora hills making waves coming up there yeah it's 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 got great streaming charting as well, like, yeah, Doja is constantly going to give the finger to whatever expectations are of her. And I think that what is delightful when Doja isn't saying things that are so out of pocket and doing weird stuff like wearing the shirts uh, with pictures of white supremacists, like when Doja is not doing like Azalea Banks level bad shit, I think that she is so delightful to watch for breaking expectations, breaking rules, and defying what we want from her and still succeeding. To me, she's just one of those artists where it's like, we're too in the thick of it to really know enough. No. And that's yeah. like what I, th th there's like a group of artists that like, there's nowhere else to put them but tier three, but it's kind of like with an asterisk to me where it's like, they are def like Doja definitely defining pop star of this moment, but I don't think clear what the long tail of the whole thing is at this point like we'll see completely but like no question that right now she's like one of the you know five defining pop stars of this moment i think now two of the defining pop stars of any moment question mark <laughs> sure. ashley and jessica simpson tier five inspired decision i agree i think it was inspired and i think it was inspired correctly 
Thanks, Troy, for letting us go along with that, how badly he wanted them to be higher. No, but he also was, like, the best person to have this conversation with because he's, like, not correct unhinged. Yes, he's good. Like he's he, good. he, none of our guests are unhinged. No, no, but he's, but he was like he, like he was willing to like enter the space of yes. reality. Like he was willing, he yes. was willing to like venture outside of stand world, like into reality. As my friend, I will lovingly say, Troy doesn't necessarily live in reality, but <laughs> we appreciate when he drops down on yes, it for us. Yes. Next, we have Bruno Mars Tier Three. I have an email here from Tanisha. Dear DJ Louie, Bruno Mars hits the mark for all the qualifiers for the Imperial phase. He's had massive hits and is the first artist with six Diamond certified hits. His music is listened to and beloved by all types of people from age 5 to 80. I saw him in concert. That was the age range. The audience follows him as he reinvents himself and experiments with different genres and periods of music. He has a Stan army, the Hooligans. He has a sold-out Vegas residency. Never had a flop era since he began writing songs for himself and others. Please don't let pastiche diminish Bruno's accomplishments. He's definitely a top tier two artist. Thanks for listening. First and foremost, we only acknowledge one hooligan Stan Army, and it is not the Bruno Mars fans. Secondly, I think that's all well stated. It's argued well. It's really well stated, yeah. But I still stand by my decision because, again, at the end of the day, like, these metrics and all that stuff are, like, tools that we use to help us, but they don't decide at the end of the day. And I think that I stand by what I said, which is from my perspective, there is something peripheral, even in his centrism, about Bruno Mars. Like, it just, it's a je ne sais quoi. I know that might not be a satisfying answer, but I think that... He's where he belongs, in spite of his metric success, if that makes sense. Listen, I just found out that Bruno Mars was a popular artist yeah. in doing the research for yeah. that episode. Oh my god, one of our like greatest sources of discord this year. I spent so much of 2023 just like privately dunking on Bruno Mars. Mm-hmm. However, that's a really good argument. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you well, so much well for the reasoned, email. Although not accepted. Aaliyah, tier four. Some have said they think she should be higher. No. Okay. <laughs> this is back in the influence thing. I think we need to get out of this. Like, influence is a factor, but definitely not defining. Like, there's a lot of artists with influence. Like, tons of them. She was very influential, but no. She's she's where she belongs. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see the full fruits of Aaliyah's promise, and that sucks. Mariah Carey. I mean... Do we need to say it? Count those number ones. 19 number one hits. 19 number one hits. Your fave wouldn't dare, couldn't dare, wouldn't venture. Bye. It literally was just Christmas. Like, how dare we even, like, raise this question? Now, Louis, as a little holiday treat, I am wondering if we could tackle one piece of outstanding business. Okay. What is it? We have requested only arguments against this year's rankings Mm -hmm. however i did notice that a lot of listeners had one particular concern that they brought up throughout the year they commented we heard this and i think that this is a particularly pertinent and interesting year to tackle the question of tier two artist justin timberlake didn't we already demote him didn't we already demote him or am i crazy you are crazy and the audience agrees Putting Timberlake in tier two is way too generous. 
And someone else says, I think the rankings are holding up well over time. Really, the only one that consistently stands out to me as incorrect is JT. We have discussed Justin Timberlake as being on the decline from tier two, cuspy on tier three. But as of the reissue in September of our tier rankings graphic, Justin Timberlake, tier two artist. I'll put his ass in tier three. Let's do it! (laughs) Listen, here's what happened. This past year, Justin Timberlake went crawling back to NSYNC and was not only not the most spectacular part of that, but was unable, even with NSYNC, to launch a new hit. Tier three. Consider it done. Tier three. Consider it done. Merry fucking Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of thought we'd already done that. But if not, now it is done. I'm assuming you're writing these down. We got to get together like like an updated graphic. Well, Louis, who is an artist that we have put up this year? Anyone? Do we put anyone up? No. <laughs> <laughs> People only went down. Do we want to just like give Shakira the shine that like people feel that she yes. deserves? What? Yes. Listen, I think that we both agree that Shakira is a culture-changing, important figure. And we had just the most special time going back and learning about 90s Shakira in Latin America and the importance that Shakira holds as a pop figure outside of America. Maybe is there something from those early years of Shakira before she had really broken in American pop music, a song that you love that we could go out on from her barefoot era? Yes, I think it would be the one that I think is like the kind of the axis of the whole thing, which is Ojos Asi from Donde Están Los Ladrones, a song that I became utterly re-obsessed with from making the show and is like one of her best. Also speaks to not only her Latin American heritage, but also her Lebanese heritage. We laughed a lot in the episode about like Shakira being the world artist, but like this song kind of like speaks to that in the best possible way. So let's go out on Ojos Asi. An ode to the world. Thank you so much to all of the guests who sent in emails, comments, who gave us phone calls and audio notes. We appreciate you so much. Thanks to all of our incredible guests from this year. Last and year. we will see... <laughs> When the episode ends. No, th- this this is going out in 2023. No, it is not. It's our first episode of 2024. That's why I was trying to reorient us a little bit. Oh my God. Okay, thank you. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. 2024, let's fucking go. We're about to make a whole bunch more decisions. So excited to have you all along to a year in great music listening. Let's go. Yay. Bye. Bye, Louie. Bye, Louie. Que en tus ojos se pueda